Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the Final Week Cricket Podcast with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon returning from the desert back to the show for season 12, episode 31. How do you feel? Where are you? What's going on? Uh, what's going on? I'm in Toronto, Canada. Uh, I've been all over the place. Started in Austin, Texas a few weeks ago. So uh, listeners to the show who were listening back then might know. Meandered all the way up uh, through the middle, up to the top. Idaho. Who knew? Idaho's pretty nice. Uh, Montana. Good stuff. Washington State. Vancouver, all the rest. Still got a, a, a few miles ahead of me, but I'm I'm back in the podcast swing now, ready to take things on. Having not paid any attention to the news over the last three weeks, uh, what happened? Anything big? Yeah, Anything major. There, there's a lot to get through, isn't there? I, I don't really know where to start, other than to say uh, it, we had a very successful final word cricket game on Friday. Maybe that's our jumping off point. The, the final mm-hmm. word eleven against the Oval Dream Boys. That was just a a great thing to be part of uh we had so many people contribute to making it possible before the game even commenced so yeah dan and declan the combination dan price and declan lawler who, who kind of got the game off the ground but then alan edgar for umpiring and we had anna scoring we had mel to a a final word hall of fame at the end of the day after we did the presentation and all of that which was presented with a bottle of verve clicquot which was supplied by jeff dan's old man who was in that line of work so it it really did all piece together so well the oval dream boys were chasing about 130 odd and they fell about 15 runs short so on the field it was a pretty competitive game we had Mm -hmm. a retirement from dan we had to retire at 30 but he got to that mark pretty comfortably we had some contributions down the list. Uh, Declan hit about 20-odd at the death. And, yeah, from a cricket perspective, it was just an absolute joy to finish the season on a high note with lots of fine final word contributors and listeners. And then we kicked on through the night. It was a, it was a ripper. Well, I got to relive the whole thing because um, Mel Shirley did an over-by-over report on the Final Word chat page as well. So I I got to stay very up-to-date. Most importantly, from a parochial standpoint, the Final Word 11 remains unbeaten, three from three thus far across two continents. I think that we'll be back at Birchgrove Oval in Sydney against the Newtown Browns in January. So pencil that in if if you're in Australia or if you want to travel to Australia from somewhere else around (laughs) the world to, to play in the Final Word. 11 start thinking about travel plans now as we'll look to make it a quartet across the continents um and yeah you know as far as uh, as other major news stories go i've got to say i i was pretty relieved to be offline for the last couple of weeks i think i picked a great time to not be paying any attention to capital t capital d the discourse yeah well i suppose uh when you were in the desert well i think someone made this point on the discord channel actually that did you know that Geelong were making it through to a prelim, you know, uh, at the first time of asking by winning their qualifying final one and and obviously subsequently a grand final? I know you've been back online um, to watch the prelim. And two, yeah. how did you find out about the Queen dying? Like, was there an announcement of sorts where you were at the time? Like, how did they... I'm not saying that there was any need to, to tell people at where you were, that kind of thing, but it feels like the kind of news that, you know, that, that might penetrate somehow. Well, the only thing that maybe matters less in in the USA than um Australian rules football is is the commonwealth so <laughs> nobody cared about any of those things um none of it none of it got mentioned i found out about the um the football result a few days afterwards once i got back into range yeah and and the other stuff 
trickle through eventually. But um, it, it, it was it was quite nice to not be plugged in at that stage. I thought, oh well, I know what I need to know, and I don't need to hear what anyone else has to say about it. Um, there we go. Have you thought about flying back to Melbourne for the grand final this week? I mean, Geelong are there. You're an MCC yeah. member. You'd, you'd get a ticket if you could. Yeah, yeah, I I have. Um, I'm still. I'm still thinking about it. Um, the, the the only the, the the problem is I have a um, major memorial service to be at in Vancouver on exactly that day. Now those two mm. cities are 17 hours apart, so it kind of like if there were a plane leaving Melbourne, say an hour after the final siren, I could potentially make it. But there are, you can't get direct flights from Melbourne to Vancouver, so I'm like, can I? Can I come home for like two days and then go back again? Is that kosher? <laughs> is that is that an okay thing to do? I don't think I can get the times to line up, but I'm believe me, I'm looking at all options. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that you've got this other commitment, and I'm not going to sort of talk that down at all. But I I reckon it's the sort of thing if you can do it, you should do it. Uh, you know, mm. and I suppose there's a there's a question of whether it's ethically sound to be flying across the world for for one thing, but. Mm. almost ignoring that as well because <laughs> grand finals are grand finals and uh you know if you're committed to the club as you have been your whole life you were there at what you were there in 07 and 2011 mm. you seen did you mm. see 09 as well did you see all three 09 i was working that day that had a, a job that i couldn't get out of but i was right. watching it while i was out you know i certainly wasn't doing any work yeah yeah this won't mean an awful lot to i suppose uh um those of our listeners who who don't kind of understand the culture of Australian rules football, but kind mm. of the being there factor, the fact that it is played at the MCG, a stadium yep. of 100,000 people. Like th- th- There are many stories of people jumping. I-, I mean, I've done it twice, 2012 and 2015. I made uh, – so I rearranged my, my plans entirely in order to be back for both grand finals. Mm. Didn't work out well in, in 12 and it very much did in, in 15. So I don't know. I, th- I think you, you shouldn't rule it out. If there is a way, you should find a way. I haven't ruled it out, believe me. I'm I'm – I'm trying to find a way to make this work. 07, I did the same thing as well. I I, I bought a flight the day before and, and got on a, a plane at, you know, five o'clock in the morning or something to, to make yeah. it down to, yeah. for the first bounce from way up country. So it's got a precedent. Oh, I don't know. It, it, it There are a few things more significant than that week leading up to grand final day if your team's in it. And it's also really weird, I think, for you and me both, being invested in a sport, in a, in a team, in an outcome, you know, whereas we, we watch our cricket quite dispassionately. Yes. Um, but that is not the case with football. Yeah, I occasionally get asked to do, like, bits and bobs of football journalism and I always remind the people who ask, look, I, I, I don't really want to do this. I have no kind of interest yeah. in being impartial and being sort of an objective observer on Aussie rules and partly is informed by the fact that I don't watch an awful lot when it's not Hawthorne anymore anyway. Like mm. I haven't stayed up with the, the modern trends, if you like. But, yeah, I, I, I enjoy having never made footy my professional existence. I've kind of mm-hmm. kept that. That's just my thing, um, yeah. following the Hawks. So, yeah, it's a week if you're part of it, especially the night before the grand final. It's like you own the city. It's the best feeling. So, mm. and, and, of course, if you win it, it carries on for a couple of days after that as well. We'll watch this space. Maybe we'll, um, we'll be recording. Well, you'll be recording story time in Melbourne later this week. Who's to know? Any other stories from Burning Man that you care to share? I, I, I mean, I think a lot of people who I've spoken to over the last three or four weeks, and I should say mm. thank you so much to not only Daniel and Barat, who um, stepped in for story time, but to Will McPherson, to Dean Wilson, to Matt Roll, who did the weekly shows. I mean, I think it all came up pretty well in your absence where we were able to do different kinds of shows with different co-hosts. But um, to a person, people are just kind of fascinated as to what you were getting up to over there. (laughs) Well, I think the interesting thing is that people don't really know what it is until they've been because people think about music festivals, they think about Coachella, they think about, you know, debauchery and, and big stages and big performances and that sort of thing which is not what it is there's no there's no centrally organized entertainment it's not like the people the people who organize the event don't organize things for you to go and do and see that's not what they do they they build the roads they put the sanitation on they do the traffic management and safety and security stuff and that's basically it they get you there and then they're like make your own festival make your own event what do you want to do so it's the onus is on the people who attend to make things to do things to be creative and you can apply for uh, arts sort of creative grants from the body that organizes it to say you know i want to build a uh, giant 
spaceship sculpture that people can get inside and walk around and press <laughs> buttons and it'll play weird noises and I want to build that in the middle of the desert um, and it'll only run from midnight to 5am and they'll say, cool, here's $200,000, go and build it. <laughs> um, if, you know, if you've got the skills, if you can sort of put a case to them to say that I've got a team of people who can actually pull this off, then they might give you the grant to do it. So they just fund a whole bunch of weird art projects and then the rest of it is build it yourself. Come out there, come out to the desert. What do you want to do? Get a bunch of your friends together. What do you want to make? You want to build a camp? You want to, there's, there's like a camp that's uh, a roller skating rink that they they take the whole thing out and build it in the desert. There's a camp that is literally Thunderdome. They build Thunderdome out of the Mad Max movies and just have padded sticks instead of like chainsaws or whatever. But they attach people to elastic ropes and send them flying into each other to beat the snot out of each other at high speed. You know, there are camps that are like learning centres where you can go and listen to lectures and like you can be a very nerdy, sober, quiet person and go and do that. You can be a massive trash bag and go and do that. There are there are music dance floor camps, there are skills workshop camps, there are, there are biker bar camps. There's like whatever you want, whatever kind of weirdos you want to meet, they're out there. And so that's the thing that I find interesting about it is that whatever you're interested in, you can pursue that interest. That will be available to you. You've just got to go and explore this literal city. I mean, 70,000 people end up there by the end of the first week. It's a, a genuine city and it's just built in the desert and then they pull the entire thing down. The entire thing disappears. So 50 weeks of the year, there's nothing there. And two weeks of the year, there's huh. one of the biggest cities in the state of Nevada. In terms of what you dived into, I mean, give us a sense of the sort of activities that you were doing day to day. I just like to wander. So my, my thing is you get a, an old beaten up bicycle and you ride it around and you see who yells at you and people, you'll go past the camp and people say, come in and do this. And you go, okay, I'll go in and do that. That's my, I, I just do the sort of Jim Carrey, yes man thing. Just just yeah. travel around the city and see who invites me to do things. And people do because that's what they've gone to do. They've gone to make something fun happen. And so you, you can find an endlessly fascinating series of experiences and meet uh, strange people who you wouldn't have met otherwise. Uh, some of them you could live without um, and some of them will bring something to your life. But it's all part of the rich tapestry, Adam. Brilliant, brilliant. I feel like um, before we get on I, that I haven't done enough to talk about just how wonderful Friday night was, by the way, with the cricket game. You know, I, I sort of started there and maybe we'll finish the intro, sprawling as it is there as well. At one point I was mm -hmm. on a hat trick, I should inform you. I, I I you did, would have read this in the OBO. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and you know, I said to myself at the top of my mark, bowling to their number 11, I'm not going to get many better chances than this to take one. And it was a left-hander yeah. as well, bowling my off-breaks. And uh -huh. the previous ball, the second one, which was my third wicket, was a really good ball too. So I'm like, if I can bowl the same delivery on the hat-trick ball, I'm in the game here. Brought uh -huh. the field in around the bat, hit the pad. It wouldn't have hit the stumps on the hat-trick ball. It was going down leg. And I turned around to mm. Al, who was umpiring, and said, do not give that out because the appeal was vociferous. And I could, I sensed that it's the sort of thing where, you know, an umpire could just, get swept up in the emotion of it all. But mercifully, sure. he kept his finger down. But yeah, then we um, yeah, put on pizzas for everybody afterwards. Everyone stayed around. I think they kicked us out at half past 10 from the actual club itself. And there would have been still, I guess, 40-odd people there at that stage. Friends old and new. And you've mentioned a few mm -hmm. already of, of those who have been at these final word Discord sort of events before. But yeah, we had Toby, um, uh, Toby Trumper, who is related to Victor Trumper, came up and he sent me a DM on well actually he sent me a just a, a message on twitter saying can you dm me um i think he felt a bit sort of nervous as to whether it was the right thing to rock up to an event where he didn't know anybody and i didn't see the message and he just showed up and he spent the whole night with us he's a lovely fella and um yeah just through having seen us talk about playing this cricket game near enough to where he lives and he dropped down and you know that that is a lovely part of it that people who don't know anybody else until uh, having met them in the flesh and can be like wow I, I definitely want this to be part of my life into the future so that was pretty cool and from there it was a little bit self-selecting so about a dozen of us went to a, another local pub until kick out time there and then a, a few of us um, went a bit further afield after that there was still about <laughs> half a dozen of us going pretty pretty deep into the next morning which was fabulous so uh, yeah to everyone who was part of it 
Uh, oh, and I, I neglected to mention Stephen as well, who, and Caroline. Who, who Caroline had my camera, and Stephen had his own. He had the whole setup. He, mm. he hired a lens for the day, had the tripod, and the photos are just immaculate. So um, they're all floating around on Discord at the moment. So if you're mm-hmm. you're on there, you can access those. And if you're not, I'll. Uh, what we might do for the patron email this week, Jeff, is we might might send out a uh, a link with. Uh, with a with a group of you know curated photos or something like that, mm-hmm. so you can get a feel for it. There's also been chat of us playing a game in Adelaide. Now I'm not sure whether this is possible or not, but on okay. Twitter, a number of people have been talking about putting together a final word eleven to play in Adelaide, or rather a team to play right. against the final word there. So I know that I end up there. Well, we clearly, you know, as far as say academy picks and and regions of influence and so on, we we own anybody in South Australia who listens to the show. Exactly. Surely. Yeah, right. I, I think that's right. It, it's um, those who don't who'd form the opposition. But yeah, future I listeners, future listeners, future listeners, precisely. I'm there five times in nine weeks. Adelaide yeah. is a, a big part of my summer. Well, truncated summer because I'm back in England before Christmas. But between arriving in mid October and going back on the 21st of December, yeah, there are, there are five different trips to Adelaide, and I suspect you'll yep. be on most of those as well, Jeff. So it is possible. We might yep. be able to do this, which could give us two games in the Australian summer, one at the start and then okay. the one in late January that you referred to before against the uh, Newtown Browns. Uh, mm-hmm. That's your oppo, wasn't it? So That's right. Um, so watch this space on that. Well, and I also wonder if we could get one going in India somewhere. Like, Surely if we're doing so well uh, in, in the in our current homes, you know, we we should take the final frontier. We should see if the final word <laughs> can 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 take this to the Maidans of yeah. Mumbai or something. See if we can get Bharat to help conjure us up a, a match during the India Test tour. Well, there's going to be an Australian Media Eleven game against the Indian media. In fact, Bharat was um, talking that up when he was on Storytime a couple oh, of yeah. weeks ago. So that's kind of already been worked on behind mm-hmm. the scenes. But I, I agree with you. And also we've been invited to a tour of Jersey. I've seen in my Twitter mentions today okay. that whether we want to take the final word on the road next year across the Jersey. I say on the road, you can't drive to Jersey. Although there might be, a, <laughs> there wouldn't be a tunnel with that. That's quite a naive thing. Is there a tunnel to Jersey? No, it's a ferry. You get on a ferry to Jersey. Um, you know, it's not like First, first entry in your Google search uh, history after this show is finished. Is there a yeah, tunnel to Jersey? Is there a tunnel? No, there definitely isn't. But uh, yeah, it's, it's um it's it's provided plenty of um, thoughts for next year when I will be playing club cricket again as well. So I'm well and truly back big time. You, um, you've got the Stuart McGills when he said that if he played club cricket one week and, and took four for he'd want to be playing for the Shield team in the next week and he'd want to be playing for Australia the week after that. Well, yeah, we, we did this last week on Storytime too. We, we told the story of Jack Iverson, who of course went on to make his test to about 35 and Daniel and I have, have both landed on the same conclusion that, that I will eventually end up playing representative cricket out of all of this. It's just a matter of when. How old will I be when these off-breaks become irresistible? <laughs> I'll tell Pat when I'm back in Australia that I'm available for selection, put it that way. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought a good way of doing this show, because it's going to be slightly rambling this week. There's a mm-hmm. lot going on. Uh, we're in the middle of a, a one-day series between England and India that we dropped a daily show out from yesterday. A county round starts tomorrow. I'm commentating in each of the next seven days. So, yeah, a lot going on in my world, a lot going on, obviously, in your world, having uh, came back into the general population from Burning Man a couple of days ago. So we'll do the best we can to skip through some news. But before getting to the new stuff, I thought we'd look backwards and I'd tell you about the stuff you might have missed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sound, I'm, sound- I'm up for this. I'm well up for it. Or, or I, I have made a list and I have checked it twice. So let's let's see how you respond to the following a dozen or so bits and bobs that have occurred in the month you've been away. Virat Kohli at last made a century. For India. I, I only – I caught up with this last night and I was like, oh, he did the thing. Um, and I was thinking, hang on, it's got to be – it's got to have gone past a 1,000 days and it had. And then it had, um, yeah. and then I realised it was in T20 Internationals and, and I know <laughs> without having to check that that he'd never done that before. That was – I think 96 Not Out was his – previous yep. best in, in T20Is. So in the format where he'd never made 100, he broke through and, and made 100 just ahead of the T20 World Cup. So that's exciting for VK Freaks. Um, I, for I think the best part the about it was he, he, he was making the runs as mm. the Queen. There was this um, quite bizarre six-hour window where it was pretty clear the Queen was dying, but the news hadn't yet been 
confirmed. Right. So there was like six hours of rolling news, black ties on the newsreaders, that kind of thing. And Coley's innings fell in that window. So, you know, not just the cricketing world, but the entire world's focus was elsewhere, mm. not on the dead rubber between India and Afghanistan in the Asia Cup after India got bounced by Sri Lanka, which is why they weren't in the final four. So um, that's, yeah, I don't suppose that news would be of particular interest to you, but India did win one game against Pakistan and, and lose the other. And mm. you know, by losing against Sri Lanka, that, that left them out of the tournament and playing Afghanistan in that last game, which is where Kohli was able to finally break the drought. Speaking of droughts, Aaron Finch, he's continued in 50-over cricket to the point where he announced before the final of the top-end one-dayers. So there were three against Zimbabwe, then three against New Zealand. So after the second one, that he was going to pull the pin altogether. Mm-hmm. In the end, that worked out pretty well, I reckon. You know, um, sort of leaving before... I mean, I was going to say leave him before push. There was a move for him to... I'm not going to say there weren't people calling for him to go and to be dropped, but he sniffed the breeze and, and realised that it was the right time to let the... I suppose let the, the national team regroup ahead of a World Cup in that format in 13 months' time. Mm. And that, of course, isn't just about replacing him as opener. It's about replacing him as captain. And... I think when we last spoke, David Warner was being talked up as the Sydney Thunder captain and whether CA Mm -hmm. should reconsider his fitness for captaincy. Well, now that's got a life of its own. And even Warner is talking about how he wants to sit down with Nick Hockley and talk about the Australian captaincy and about captaincy more generally. So um, Warner's on the front foot. And and I I mean, I doubt it'll happen, but you couldn't rule it out entirely. And I think public opinion, at least sort of in the... uh, in the, in the chattering classes, so to speak, like, you know, those who are writing about the game, mm-hmm. is that, well, maybe they should consider this. If we're going to, you know, say that Warner is fit to captain at domestic level again, then, then if Australia does need a, a 50-over captain and Pat Cummins may not be the right fit because of the workload and, you know, it's unclear whether Alex Carey would be gone to because he isn't mm. playing in both formats of the white ball game right now. Mm. There might And Steve Smith feels like he's not temperamentally suited to captain even a club team at the moment. So mm. that that might leave Warner as the, the best pair of hands for this job, even with all the baggage. Oh, I don't know about this. I mean, so the last time we spoke, I said, okay, let him captain the Sydney Thunder because, frankly, who fucking cares? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Captaining the Australian team's a bit different. So Finch has gone from one day, but he hasn't gone from T20s. Does that mean is he just going to do the T20 World Cup and then depart from there as well? Because nobody Australia, really Australia knows. doesn't tend to keep captains around in one format. You know when? Yeah. Like when and when when George Bailey stepped down from the T20 captaincy, he got punted from that team immediately. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't see them hanging on to Finch as a one format captain. It feels like, well, he, he's certainly giving the impression that he wants to stay on as a 2020 player as long as he can. But, like, the very fact that they've got, uh, I think it's three T20s in India next week or later this week into next week. Then they play the Windies in a bilateral series and England in a bilateral series all mm. before the World Cup. I think for Finch, he's in the squad. Yeah. But just making the World Cup is sort of, you know, base camp for him right now, given the form he's been in. And if sure. he can get through that, get through the tournament, well, he might have another life as a, a T20-only specialist. But, yeah, it does feel more likely than not that this could be the end of the road for him as an international cricketer. And in turn, they're not just looking for, you know, a captain for mm. one team, they're looking for both. Yeah. So, I mean, why aren't we, uh, why aren't we saying... Maxwell for captain, you know. Surely, oh, yeah. surely, if anybody's oh, no, no, saying that, it should don't, be. Don't yeah. worry, don't worry. Last week I was uh, okay. when Dino and I were on. I, I was <laughs> sort of saying that the Warner case, I don't think is a silly one, but I think there's a better option in Maxwell if they want to avoid having all the additional scrutiny on Warner. And Warner is a couple of years older than Maxie as well. Well, several. Um, I mean, Warner's what thirty five, six. Now? Warner's thirty six. Maxie's thirty four. I think now 30, 33, 34. So, I mean, the, the age gap is. We're not going to be talking about Glenn Maxwell retiring in the next 12 months. We might no. be talking about David Warner retiring. It's, it's conceivable yeah. if he went and became a T20 domestic circuit specialist. So um, we'll see there. Alex Hales has returned to the England team. So he wasn't in the World Cup squad initially. Mm. And then how's this? Johnny Bairstow was playing golf and slipped over when walking to the tee box and we don't really yet know the full extent of the injury, but he's had surgery on a broken leg last week, and that's his year done. So as they were announcing England's T20 squad, I think Rob Key was doing a press conference. That was when Bairstow was playing that round of golf. And a few hours later, Bairstow put up an Instagram post and the ECB put out a statement um, revealing that he was cooked 
um, mm. and quite badly cooked. So Besto therefore missed the final test match as well, which meant that they had to find a new opener for the World Cup squad. And we were speculating that it was most likely to be Will Jackson. Then, even though Alex Howes was available for selection, we kind of thought that well they might go for the younger man. But instead, they've gone for the 33-year-old. So Hales, who you spent a lot of time researching and writing about in your in your most recent book, um, mm. is going to be back in England colours in Australia in a couple of months. Indeed, he, he'll be in England colours in Pakistan when when they start their T20 series that will come to a little bit later. I think that starts tomorrow or, or the day after. So there you go. Alex Hale's back in business. That is very interesting because when that T20 World Cup was going to be led by Owen Morgan, Alex Hales was nowhere near it um, with not a chance to get picked. If, if they'd slotted Morgan straight in as white ball coach, I'm pretty sure Alex Hales wouldn't have been picked either. Mm. Um, but they've got Matthew Mott in there and so the... Um, the Australian pragmatism of, oh, well, don't care. Can he hit the ball? Yes, he can. Seems to have come to the fore. That is very interesting. And, and also that you've got another um, different sport injury. Remember how they banned the England players from playing warm-up football? Um, yes. They, they kept doing their ankles with stupid slide tackles. Now they've got to ban them from playing golf as well, which, um, you know, seems reasonable. I, I say this advisedly as someone who follows test cricket, but it's a very dull sport, golf. <laughs> I don't know. I just um, don't get the obsession. Every cricket is obsessed with golf. What's it about? It's just a slightly different version of hitting a ball with a stick. This is where this is where you and Daniel are perfectly aligned. That that that, sound, that could come straight out of out of his yeah. mouth. Um, I have a different view, but that's okay. Pakistan, India. I, I mentioned they played a couple of times, but Sri Lanka went on to win the Asia Cup, which is pretty cool. So, given where they were, probably two years ago. They've had a really good 12 months, performing above expectations at the last T20 World Cup, doing nicely against Australia at home, and now on the way to another World Cup, having just won the Asia Cup in, in the T20 format. So I think we were a little bit worried about Sri Lanka, weren't we, that they might be kind of in sort of systemic structural decline. But mm. And despite the fact the country's in, in all sorts at the moment, as we, as we know and as we've documented when we were over there in the middle of this year, they keep winning games of cricket. I still think they may well be in systemic uh, structural decline, but they're producing results against the odds. Um, I caught up with this because I read uh, Fidel Fernando's piece last night about their path through the Asia Cup on ESPN Crick Info, which is a wonderful piece of writing, one of his up, up there with some of his best, I think, tracking the unlikeliness of the way that they came through that tournament and somehow managed to win it. And you got to bloody love it. you got to get all Tony Gregg. Oh, look at these plucky Sri Lankans. You know, here they go again <laughs> against the odds, making things happen. They're, a, they're a, a heartening team to watch at times. Did you hear that Zimbabwe beat Australia in the final one-day international? No. So, yeah, they, they bowled them out for about 140-odd. And then they, they chased the runs no. down, seven down. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. So he did the Zimbabwe special mm-hmm. kind of as you were leaving the country, but it was um, yeah, it I knew it was out. in the works, but it was in the works. Out, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, and if, for those who haven't listened to that, I'm, I'm quite proud of that episode. It was um, one where we I don't think we've ever sort of dedicated an entire episode of the show to one country, but it was kind of making amends given how little we'd focused on on Zimbabwe's story. And, yeah, they went on and beat Australia in the third one day. Ryan Burl, who was the man who didn't have the spikes last year and put out that message on Twitter, mm-hmm. he took five for ten to win the game for them, which is pretty cool. He took five um, for and- ten. Yeah, and all the while, by the way, Warner made 94 out of the 140. He missed out on being the first man to ever record a one-day Bannerman by one run because no one's ever completed the Bannerman. I mean, Viv Richards... Has ever the so close to it, percentage, but, 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 but that down. was with nine down, exactly. Yeah. You know the drill there. Know, so the Richards the innings sits, yeah, but they weren't bowled out that day in 1984. So therefore, you got to look at all ten wickets and and all Australian wickets did fall. So it's, it's just that Warner needed to be 95 out of 100. And, I think it was either 140 or 142, something like mm-hmm. that. And yeah, he was the eighth man to fall, I reckon. Oh. And yeah, had he had he hit 95, he would have gone above. Sixty-seven point three five. Right, but he, Gutted. but but so, and where does that? Where does his percentage fall on the overall percentages? I think I think he's now second. There's someone who, someone else with a sixty-six point nine or something like that, right. and Warner might be sixty-six point four. But yeah, it was a matter of one run because, of oh. course, we're dealing in lower numbers. You know, a, a low-scoring game and and all the rest. And so. could also have made a ton and carried his bat. <laughs> If he'd done all yes. three in the same innings, that would have been. Oh, the case for Warner. He's back in form. Mm. Um, Tim David's going to be in that World Cup squad for Australia. He's been in India um, mm-hmm. the last 
the last week or so as they prepare for the T20s there. The oh, world keeps changing. He's in I the mean, squad. Yeah, they, they kicked him for games. The, that's right, yeah. It must have been Clancy, I assume, from CA who put out a, a compilation of all of the – you know, a couple of years ago there was the, the Virat Kohli net sound. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. every shot Kohli played, it just sounded – That like was a, Clancy too. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, this is the, the Tim David version oh. and it's fucking brutal. It, it's it's really it, quite something. I would, it, it, the Craig David version would be something special if you could combine <laughs> the two. Yeah, we should put it to uh, yeah, chill on Sunday. Um <laughs> So yeah, that'll be of interest, and you know that I suppose the the world keeps changing, as it has been throughout the course of the English summer. The draft for the I think it's the draft of the auction for the South African T Twenty is coming soon, and and the way that the series played out with them was quite dispiriting. I mean, three it was the quickest three Test match series since like nineteen oh seven or something like that mm. in terms of balls bowled. So you didn't miss much. You're always kind of happy when Test matches finish in three days, as far as getting a a bit of extra space when you're on the cricket circuit, but these weren't those kind of test matches. Indeed, right. the, the third test finished in two days and 20 minutes because they, they started it on day three because of the, the rained out day one and, and the, the called off day when, when the Queen passed away. So it was an unusual week at the Oval. Um, it's yeah. worth watching back the formalities at the Oval from what became day one, day three, but the first day of play, it was it was an extraordinary thing to witness. There ended up being effectively five minutes of silence where the crowd just didn't, move or murmur as the players made their way down the stairs and um, wow. as the South African anthem was being sung, it was it was chilling. It was eerie and it was brilliant. So that's one to watch back when you get an opportunity. I was glad to see that cricket at least finished the game and didn't do the sort yeah. of performative prostration of other sports of like we must all we must puncture all footballs in the world for a period of 14 days or whatever it was. I mean, some of that stuff yeah. seemed absolutely cricket crazy. Got it, cricket got it spot on. They used the platform to kind of celebrate the, the length of service and, and – um, yeah, that that was the the right thing to do, I think, and it meant that nobody was pissed off. Like, I don't mm. think anybody said that cricket got it wrong, whereas many people have said that football, in an effort to not piss anybody off, probably did. Well, I'd be staggered if they did some polling if that had been seen as the right decision retrospectively. But I suppose a lot of administrators were under the pump that day as the as the events were developing so quickly on the Thursday afternoon when it wasn't clear whether she had died. That was the mm. thing, right? So. Everyone thought, well, she's probably passed away. But that other bit of, well, what if she hasn't passed away? What if mm. she's just gravely ill and this drags on for a few days? Then what happens? So, you know, administrators were were in a tough spot there. But, yeah, cricket found a way through and, and good on them for it. The BBL draft was a complete shambles. So all of these oh. um, high-profile, you know, big bucks players were Platinum in the draft and, and most of them got overlooked. Clubs were passing on their first-round picks. So I think I'm right in saying it was the Perth Scorchers who opted not to draft anyone in the first round and then they picked Laurie Evans from Surrey in the second round oh, as a gold pick. No. So basically the way they tried to incentivize players to get out there, Faf Duplessis, who was on the highest money, the platinum mm-hmm. player, and was also having his money complemented by CA on a marketing budget, we learnt through Ben Horn's story, he just didn't get picked at all. Andre Russell Whoa. didn't get picked at all. Kyron Pollard didn't get picked at all. So it was a, it was a bizarre thing to kind of follow because huh. most of the – Sort of our mates at Crickviz, for example, they're like, yeah, this is perfectly normal. Why would those guys get picked? They're overvalued and they're old and they're not going to contribute as much as younger players on mm. on less coin. And it, it felt like the analysts won the day, not the marketeers. So the Big Bash will huh. have a few of these players knocking about, but nowhere near the number they anticipated and the name recognition that they anticipated uh, when they opened up that platinum level a couple of months ago. So the separation of powers screwed CA basically so 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 is this am I right in, yes. in, in interpreting this that Cricket Australia put together a list of players who have big names who are easily recognisable and Cricket Australia does own the franchises yep but, but the teams are run by their own management status and associations that, yeah and all of the people in those management jobs said well we don't want these players who you're offering us even though CA want you to pick those players because they want to be able to say to the broadcasters that these big name players are in the tournament and the teams are like, nah, we'd rather have like some fella from North Ants who's good at keeping it tidy, you know, from overs 12 through to 16 sort of thing. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. I mean, the sorts of players who are being picked up, some of them fit into the sort of rarities and oddities basket, but they are more in keeping with the way that modern teams are assembling their yep. playing lists. They're rather role than players. 
yeah, that's it, rather than relying on cricketers who have had enormous profiles but aren't as likely to be mm. consistently contributing through the course of a season. Also complicated by the fact that a number of those big-time players, take Kyron Pollard, he's already committed to playing in both South Africa and the UAE oh. during the Big Bash. <laughs> There was a yarn that was doing the rounds saying that he's going to fly from and um, play in both comps. So he'll play in the UAE, then fly to South Africa and play a game there and go back and forth the competition. There'll be enough flexibility in the schedule that he can uh, he can do both at the same time. Which okay. I mean, you know, don't 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 talk about flying home for the grand final and, and whether that's yeah. ethically supportable when exactly. old mate's going to going to rack up miles like that to bowl four overs at either end. It probably won't surprise you that in the aftermath of the Ben Stokes documentary coming out that um, you saw just before you left that he got turned into by some sections of the media, a gay rights champion, a gay rights defender oh, um, for what happened kidding. in Bristol in, in 2017. I mean, it was, it, was pretty, um, it was pretty crude. It was pretty obvious. And in the same week that that happened, he went on and made the most beautiful century at Old Trafford and then went on to bowl an exquisite spell to, to bust open South Africa on the third afternoon at Old Trafford. I mean, he was, it's one of his best test performances. Mm. I mean, you know, in the week the doco came out, when, the, you know, the, the, the whitewashing that was done around Bristol was, I mean, we were critical of it in a documentary. It was a lot worse in the reporting that came out thereafter. So, I mean, you know, we've kind of said it all already on that, haven't yeah. we? But uh, yep. again, I'm sure that won't surprise you. It might surprise you that James Pattinson retired again. Oh. Um, so, you know how he obviously finished from, up as an international what? cricketer from, last? From, from, from the, li- the local library? Like, no, no, <laughs> I'm no. I'm handing from, in my from, card. From, <laughs> <laughs> no, from Notts. So I'm not sure whether he's playing for Victoria this season, but he's not going to play for Notts next year. So okay. he said the rigours of county cricket were just too much for him now. So. He's returned to Australia. You might like this. I suspect you'll approve of this. The MCC have gone big on time wasting and on oh. slow over rates in Test cricket, and they've they've done some. They've done a, a, a little bit of analysis. We had Jamie Cox on to talk about the analysis the MCC have been doing on Test matches in England oh, this summer, comparing it to county cricket, and he was taking that work to the ICC to make the case to the ICC that more can be done within the existing laws of the game. So, mm-hmm. a little bit niche, but but one that I'm sure you would approve of. The Road Safety World Series is back and a former Geelong player, Holland Smith, what's his first name? Um, George Holland Smith. George Holland Smith is playing for Australia in the Road Safety World Series, which is the kind of retiree league. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's because they have provision for one wildcard pick in each country's list or whatever, but, yeah, George Holland-Smith. He was was one of those sort of decent players who knocked around for a couple of seasons and a bit unlucky to get delisted from memory. He was one of those kind of... Didn't quite yeah, I reckon he played it. cricket for the Australian under-17s or something, so he has got oh. a background in the sport. But, yeah, other than that, I know nothing about that competition. But, yeah, some of the names, because it's like it's a legends team, right? Mm-hmm. The term legend is being used very liberally about mm-hmm. some of the inclusions in these sides. I think the only qualification is that you must have retired entirely from cricket, right. from international cricket. No, that no, must be all cricket. But, yeah, that means that I suppose the talent pool they're dealing in isn't great. But Dirk Nattis is back playing in that, so... <laughs> Upta la gasolina. I haven't seen any of his results, but I'm glad that Dirk um, is getting a payday and, and getting the arm over still. Well, I did. I had a look at um, one scorecard last night because I was just curious. Uh, Dirk Nannis, two overs, one maiden, one for two. Hello. There you go. Um, Big boy. Up against the Bangladesh legends. They can't <laughs> handle the left arm stuff. And then I noticed uh, John Hastings, two overs, one for 39. <laughs> So I thought, oh, Hasto's still playing. He's still playing club cricket. Well, he's playing. um, I'm not. He was certainly playing subbies until a couple of years ago. I think Mm. he might still be playing subbies now. So that's a you know a good enough level of cricket that um, you shouldn't be getting tonked like that. Well, and and Um, so I thought, I I wonder how the Duke's been going. So I looked at his uh, the other match that he's played four overs, none for forty eight. So it hasn't been going too crash hot for uh, for for, uh, Australian Test cricketer John Hastings. Here's the thing, so long as they get paid right, yeah. as long as they all get paid, True. everyone's happy. And that, I think, that's a uh, – look, I wouldn't have included everything there, but I think that's most of the main stories that you missed while you were away. Mm-hmm. Do you feel up to date, up to speed? I feel I feel good. I feel surprised by some things. Uh, there was some stuff in there I definitely didn't know about. And I feel gratified to to be back in the land of the living and, and to, to know what's going on. There was the other thing that I noticed that happened while I was away is that Rachel Haynes has given up 
uh, playing did. for Australia, yeah. which which surprised me actually because she's been so good. She's been this determined character in the Australian team, and she's been making the most of her her second wind career. You know, after it looked like she was done, and, and she came back in twenty seventeen. But I guess that was quite a long time ago. Now you, mm. she's had five extra years. She's thirty five years old. She's got a baby to think about, and has decided that that's enough. But that's interesting that you know. That position, I remember we were talking about the Australian women's team a couple of months ago and saying they're, the way that they're set up now, they should be streets ahead of the rest of the world for at least a, another couple of years. But it's interesting now because Lanning's on this indefinite break, Haynes is retired, Perry's still Perry but more of a, I mean, you can't say a fringe player but has moved away from the centre a bit, not being in that T20 team. I wonder if that opens up a spot for her to get back or, or whether they keep looking for power players to, to come in because Haynes was basically a power player in that T20 middle order, but she was so good at the top of the order for the 50-over team. It's a big player to lose. Yeah, it is. And I think that because she had to do it tough, right, like she had to spend years in the wilderness. Mm. If, if not for the Women's Big Bash League, it's entirely possible she never would have made it back. But when she got that second opportunity, Jeff, you remember that morning, we woke up to a text uh, in the 17 World Cup saying that, oh, mm. Meg Lanning's not playing today. Rachel Haynes is into the team and captaining. Um, that was the Pakistan game, wasn't it? And she did yeah. that a, a couple of times in the tournament. And, um, you know, it was obvious the esteem that she was held in by the decision makers in that setup. But yeah, it wasn't just about the way she marshaled teams. It was about the way she changed her game entirely to the point where she was, as you say, one of the most assertive Australian players going, certainly one of the most resourceful, if not mm. the most resourceful. And her numbers show that, don't they? I mean, she got better and better the deeper into her career she went, which, yeah, that, that makes me a fraction surprised as well. But, I mean, at age 35, she'll feel quite satisfied at mm. the, the number of competitions and, and successful World Cup winning sides and now Commonwealth Games gold medalist as well. Um, not a bad note to go out on. Yeah, I guess there is that high of, of the Commonwealth Games and also, you know, what she did in the 50-over team. I was looking at that sort of stats-wise. When, when she came back to the top of the order, that was 2019, when she started opening with Healy in the one-day international side. So 28 mm. games they had together... In that time, Haynes averaged 52.6, which is phenomenal in short-form cricket. And as a partnership, it was seven-century partnerships and six-half-century partnerships with Healy. So they were prolific. That takes you through that long winning streak, the 26-match winning streak, and then the period through the World Cup where they won the World Cup earlier this year. So I suppose she could look at it and say, look, I'm playing as well as I ever have. I've won everything there is to win. You know, Why not go out now? Mm, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, in the medium term, I, I, look, it's not going to weaken them too much because they have this production line coming through, mm. don't they? And the Big Bash starts. It's, it's kind of a good time in the cycle. We were, I was doing the England-India one day yesterday uh, mm -hmm. down in Hove and you know, this, this was a, 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 a topic that we returned to a few times. If you're going to make big structural changes to your team, yeah, there's a T20 World Cup on the horizon, but there's always a T20 World Cup on the horizon. You know what I mean? You've got to kind of work more on one-day World Cup cycles and that has just rebooted and it's a three-year gap between now and the next one and Haynes would be 38, I suppose, mm. the next time they go around in that competition in, in 2025. Is it probable that she'll still be playing at 35? It's not probable. It's, it's unlikely. So if she's going to make way and give a player a chance to, to build into that, Mm -hmm. and get plenty of games under their belt. I mean, I suppose she probably saw the bigger picture there, even if there might have been a short-term temptation to, to go around one more for a, a T20 World Cup, which, um, you know, comes around in South Africa in February. Yeah, and, and like you say, the Big Bash gives that, – that becomes an audition tournament basically for that yep. spot in the Australian team. And, yeah, I do wonder if, if they look at it as here's a chance to get Perry back in that team or whether they – basically say Elise Perry's time in the T20 format is done. I mean, she was still in the squad. She was still in the Commonwealth Games squad. Yeah. But they can't bring themselves to leave her out entirely. And I suppose as Italia McGraw back up at that point, which is a, a weird thing to say, but will they see that as an opportunity to bring her back in or to or does it sort of cement someone like Grace Harris getting to play permanently in that T20 team for the power aspect or, you know, Laura Kimmons or someone like that to come in? So does she, Perry, this is kind of get the uh, Daniel Kowalski gold medal type thing from the Commonwealth Games where mm. she didn't play a game, but I mean, everyone yeah, gets everyone gold, the gold, right? Everyone in the squad. Mm. Yep. So it's a bit like, yeah, Kowalski from the, I think it was the four by two, wasn't it, at Sydney where he swam the heat. But um, having been Australia's best swimmer in Atlanta and, uh -huh. and not 
yeah, unfortunately not been successful in any of his events. And of course, we know what happened in the 1500 with Perkins. Well, Tom, um, Tom Curran's got a World Cup medal from 2019, you know, that, so, those sort yeah. of things. And, and it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I always think, to bring it back to uh, AFL Grand Finals, I always Naturally. think it's harsh when, say, a player who's, who's played 20 matches during the season and gets injured during finals or something, or, or a player who's, who's played in a couple of the finals and gets left out for the Grand Final. Like, they're as much part of winning a premiership as the players who play on the day. Yeah. And so I've, yeah. I've never been entirely comfortable with it that it's only the 22 who play on the day who get a medal if other players have contributed to getting them there. You know, I, I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't I think it's... Yeah, I always felt that way. I, I always felt sh- that way about Simon Taylor in the 2008 grand final team. Mm. That he played the whole season, missed... I think he missed the qualifying final through injury, didn't get back for the prelim and missed out to like a, a five-gamer mm. um, who was the backup ruckman, Brett Renouf, and thus Simon Taylor isn't a premiership player. On yeah. the other hand, he did he did become great mates with Kennett and was going to run um, as Kennett's candidate for the ball <laughs> last year. So, you know, I don't feel quite so bad anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. But, you know, Matthew Egan's not a premiership player from 2007, right. uh, having played, I think, 22 games in that season and in, injured his yeah, foot right yeah. at the end of the end of the season or, or if you play a if you play a role in a prelim final that gets a team into a grand final then they can't win the premiership without you you know you've been part of it so I think there should I think, be I think games it was, played it's in the Leon Davis right Leon Davis played in the in the draw in 2010 mm. and didn't get picked for the replay because he had a stinker in the draw didn't mm. he in the, in the game the first game against St Kilda I'm sure a Collingwood supporter will correct me if I'm wrong here but I don't think I am didn't actually play the next week and thus mm despite being in the successful grand final fortnight, yeah. didn't play in the game itself and thus I, right. I don't think he has a medal. He's he's the New Zealand, he's the 2019 New Zealand of premierships in that he did not lose a grand final yes. in grand final week and yet he did not get a premiership medal. This is Felix White and you're listening to The Final Word Pod with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Uh, I mentioned before that I was at Hove yesterday. So first the three one days with England's women up against India. India played so well. It's like the, and, and Daniel and I did a daily show on this, so I won't go over all of this. But it's like that old school way that India spinners bowl, giving mm-hmm. it loads of air, bowling at forty mile an hour on late summer pitches in England. Well, it's the nineteenth of September as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. That's pretty effective because these pitches are dead. So that was a winning strategy yesterday. And then we saw Mantada make 91 and Harman Preet make an unbeaten 74. And, and when the engine room fire for mm. India, they usually win. I, I made this point with Daniel yesterday that it now seems implausible that Harman Preet could have been so mediocre for so long between mm. the, well, I guess the end of the 17 World Cup and, and the time she became captain, or you might go to the start of 2022 when she really did have responsibility knowing she was going to become the one-day captain. She's been exceptional again, mm. but the, the lost years of Harman Preet Cora are a bizarre story. Yeah, they're a mystery, aren't they? And she was so good in the Commonwealth Games final as well, you mm. know, just mm. looked to have ticked back. Um, tell me about the Mandana innings just, just in, say, a minute or less. Was it was it like the full box and dice? Was It It was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, put it this way. Everything you would assume about Smriti Mandana having a day out, it was that. Mm-hmm. And when there was about 20, I mean, you know, the, the driving through cover time and again. And a couple of pull shots she played too. Uh, Alice Davis and Richards came into the attack, a little bit an extra pace on the ball. Mm-hmm. And Mandana just walked down at her and pulled her through square leg and mid-wicket twice in and over to kind of just remind her that, no, no, mm-hmm. I'm boss here. So, yeah, she was exceptional. She got out with about 20 runs to win, so she still doesn't have an international 100 against England, which beggars belief given how well she's played against England over the years. But she'll have another opportunity on Wednesday at Canterbury. And then this weekend, it's going to be huge at Lords. So the the third and final one day which probably will end up being the Julan Goswami farewell. I mean, we don't know for sure, but we uh-huh. assume it will be. She bowled so well yesterday, but I think we're at the point now where Goswami would still be taking one for 20 from 10 when she's 47, right? So she's 39, and you know, as much as we would love her to go on and play into her 40s, uh-huh. 
which is um, from this November. In all probability, it'll be um, Lords and done for her. And then on the Sunday, there's a domestic final, the Rachel Hayhoe Flint final, which will be between uh, the Northern Diamonds and the winner of the Stars and the Vipers, who play on Wednesday out at Beckenham uh, for the the other final spot. So, yeah, that makes for a huge weekend at headquarters. Um, can't wait to be there for both games, actually, and to end the season on that really high note. As far as the women's cricket is concerned, they'll yeah, their domestic and international seasons will both be finishing up at a ground where they've had so little opportunity over the years and the very fact that Sophie Eccleston has never played a game at Lords highlights that point because mm. the last time there was an international played there um, she was studying for A-levels in, in the 2017 World Cup cycle where she wasn't available for that tournament but now very much the best bowler in the world and yeah at last we'll get to sort of you know walk through the long room and and, and be a Lord's cricketer. Well, also that Goswami gets to play a bilateral there. You know, she got to play there fortuitously in that World Cup final in 2017, but aside from that, hasn't been able to, to play at Lord's, so it's a pretty good way to go out. The England men's team heading to Pakistan, that's yes. kind of cool after after Australia, you know, we after we've mentioned so many times, 24 years since Australia last went, now it's 17 years since England went. They go <laughs> back in December to play the test matches, but seven T20s, which probably won't be of vast interest um, aside from just as a World Cup tune-up. But I particularly enjoyed the fact that our final word co-host Matt Roller pointed out in, in his Crick Info piece that Alex Hales has played more T20 matches in Pakistan than any current England player because he's played so much PSL right. over there. Yes. So he's now the veteran and he's back in the squad, as we mentioned earlier. So that's quite amusing. Yeah, that, that, that's right. I mean, in a way, they're, they're picking a Pakistan specialist, aren't they, in Hales? Mm. He's, he's been over there loads. And, and remembering that Hales was the man, along with Morgan, mm. who didn't tour Bangladesh in 2016 for security reasons or they cited security concerns. So he's been more open-minded since then when he's been a T20 gun for hire. Yeah, I think there is quite a bit riding on these T20s actually because I don't really know who's going to be in the test squad for England and mm. there's, there's definitely space for one more fast bowler. I know you didn't watch the tests between England and South Africa, but I'll tell you what, Ollie Robinson is returned as a, mm-hmm. a lean, mean, fast bowling machine. He's bowling quicker, longer mm. spells, still outstandingly consistent. He's just class. The problem is, as we know, bowling like Josh Hazelwood doesn't actually do anything for you in Pakistan. No. You need to have the ability to bowl reverse. So Jimmy, yep, tick, no dramas. But who are their fast bowlers? Mm. Are they really going to play Mark Wood in a test series in Pakistan having just played T20 cricket in the build-up? That would, to me, seem very risky. Mm-hmm. No Ollie Stone, no Jofra Archer. So this T20 series, my smoky, I've said it on Twitter and I'll, I'll say it here as well. If Tom Helm bowls well in the T20s, I reckon he'll play in the tests because he's quick enough. Mm-hmm. And, he, and I've seen him get reversed. So even though he was a mile away from international selection six months ago, he's been given his chance in the T20s. Yeah, so Helm is the one I'm, I'm watching for over the next couple of weeks. And a bunch of young guys. I think they've got four or five guys that have made this trip who have never played international cricket before. Mm. So, yeah, there'll be interest in Pakistan. And, of course, England are splitting that tour by coming to Australia for the World Cup uh, as soon as they finish the T20s and they return for the tests in December. So a lot of our friends and colleagues are over there right now. Matt Roller sent me a photo the other day where he is in Karachi at the Movenpick and there's a really nice print that he's seen um, on the walls there which um, documents Australia's first tour for 24 years. And I did have a bit of a pang like, oh, we were... We were part of that. We, we, we did that thing. Yep. I know I certainly said on the podcast at the time that I reckon we will look back at that month we spent in Pakistan as one of the most important months of our lives in this in this mm. industry and in this caper. And, um, yeah, even though it's only been six or so months, I, I already get that sense with the guys in Pakistan now that, you know, that we've been there for a significant series like that and sort of really took it all in and, and gave it our best and were out in the community and weren't just sort of behind locked hotel doors the whole mm. uh, for the whole duration of the trip yeah has sort of paved the way a little bit for uh, those who are going to follow and that's pretty cool well good luck to them on the trip over there uh, the two trips over there that they'll take in between getting to australia i suppose and uh, county championship cricket is Back at the end of September, they're squeezing in the, the last couple of rounds of the season. What's happening there? Yeah, so, it, well, the, the month of September, so four rounds to finish the championship and um, they're, it's a race in two, really, Hampshire and Surrey. Surrey are ahead by eight points, but Hampshire have probably got the better draw. They play Kent, who are eighth, and Warwickshire, who are ninth. Surrey, who are playing Yorkshire tomorrow at home. Norcross and I are doing that 
commentary over the next few days. They'll need to win that game and then they'll probably need to win at Old Trafford uh, against Lancashire, who are third at the moment, out of contention, but they could play spoiler if they beat Surrey in the final weekend. So Mm -hmm. I say the final weekend, the final week, these are games that are being played Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, yeah, a lot going on there. That'll be worth watching. And also there was the... um, Royal London Cup final this weekend, Jeff, and you'll be pleased to hear that Kent won, which means that Darren Stevens, for the second year in a row, walks away with a white ball trophy. And not only did he play, he was um, a big contributor in the semi final when you were away. He made about oh, yeah. 80 odd not out from 50 balls to get them through the semi. And then in the final, he made a 33 not out off 31 balls at the death to get Kent up to 306 for six. It was Joey Everson, who's uh, one to watch, Jeff. He's um, mm. through the not system, but playing for Kent. Under-19's production line, that kind of thing. He made 97 and picked up a couple of wickets late as well. Uh, to see well, Kent it's home. a good thing they're not renewing his contract then. You wouldn't want to... Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think Stevens will get picked up. I mean, you know, 46, yeah, all of that. But, and he also bowled eight overs, done for 45 in a defence of 306. So he's uh-huh. still contributing with bat yeah. and ball. You know, there's, there's chat that Leicester might consider it, given he started his career at Leicester. It'll be a bit of a novelty... You'd sell a few memberships. You'd sell a few shirts by getting... I mean, Mm -hmm. it's weird to say this, but a 46, 47-year-old would be of sufficient novelty to Mm -hmm. add to the business in other parts and he'd still make a contribution. So, yeah, finished at Kent, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up somewhere next year because even though he hasn't been as productive this year as last year, he still had a number of match-winning performances, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. But, yes, Kent victorious in in the Royal London Cup and, uh, yeah, the county championship has a fortnight to go. All right. Shall we cap off the show with a a game? Let's do it. It's called Nerd Pledge. Nerd Pledge. Haven't done that for a few weeks. Uh, Didn't do that in the (laughs) desert. No one would have known what I was talking about. Nerd Pledge is the game that we play on The Final Word with the people who listen to it. Uh, It works like this. The show is free to listen to. And so some people choose to sign up to help support it voluntarily. And they do so by sending in amounts that are not normal denominations of currency but they're very specific numbers that relate to cricket in some way, and our job is to guess what the number means. Michael Fallon is the nerd pledger for this show. His number is $4.69 in AUD. So 469 is the number. It could mean anything. Uh, it, the decimal point could disappear. It could be moved around. It could be interpreted in any number of ways. The number is 469. Nice. Over to you, Adam. Yeah, and, and, and nice is where I eventually go with this too. Oh. I'll have you know. Um, <laughs> it's look, quite you spicy. can probably tell from my voice today that I'm pretty knackered. It's been mm-hmm. a pretty long few days, so okay. I'm not going to go deep diving on anything here. We'll have time for that in story time with you on the weekend and then revisit shows and all the rest of it. But I've got a few preliminary thoughts, let's call it, for Michael Fallon. And mm-hmm. if I'm right, we can expand on them later. I don't think it'll be Jeff Miller who wore cat. 469 for England, playing 34 test matches as an all-rounder. Of course, famously involved in in the miller Tavare catch to end the Melbourne test in 82-83. Mm-hmm. 469 has been made only twice in test matches by Australia, and given it's in AUD, I had a look at those, but they're both kind of boring draws, and mm-hmm. I'd be surprised again if, if that's where uh, Michael's going. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, okay, Often, Jeff, now, because my brain is broken, whenever I see 69 come up in a cricket context, I always um, think of you and and, um, always find myself um, on commentary saying, nice, and shouldn't say it, but do all the time anyway. Yeah, yeah, you can't help it. I mean, it's a very cricket number, right, because it's it's about a partnership. It's about two individuals both working away at either end of the pitch. It's a batting number. They're they're each doing their jobs – You've got a job to do at both ends and you've got to make sure that you do it well together. Spot on. Well, I mean, I think we've, we had 269 come up recently and I thought about doing something about, you know, someone hitting 69 twice. And I thought, well, 469, Michael Fallon, who is 469? Like, let's work through this. So initially I thought, well, how many times could a player have made 69? It turns out a number of players have done it four times okay. in international cricket. I got through the A's, the B's, the C's and the D's. So Border, Cullinan, De Villiers, sadly, De Kock, three, not, not four. Oh. But then I just narrowed it down to just test cricket. And there's only one. Shivnarayan Chandipal hit oh. 69 four times in his 164 test matches and 280 test innings. But he's not the most. 
the most is VVS Lakshman. So there's heaps of threes, one, mm. four, and then a six. Now, VVS Lakshman, six times he hit 69. Wow. He's he was 469. 69th player in yeah. test history, VVS Lakshman. Well, you could say VVS Lakshman thought it'd be was Hugh four. Tayfield, but, but it's yeah, not. Yeah he, yeah, he was 469. And then with the ball... Nathan Lyon three times, which is the most, Mm -hmm. including two quite important spells, by the way. He took that in his first test innings bowling in Australia. That was the Brisbane test of 2011, just when he got back from Sri Lanka. And, you know, people were like, who is this bloke that was the curator at Adelaide Oval last year? And he took four for 69 there. And then he also took four for 69 at Dominica in 2012, which was Mm. in the era, Jeff, when it was like, well, We've got to punt this guy and find someone better. And he would, whenever, you know, the drum beat was building on that front, mm-hmm. he'd go out and take a bag and he did so at Dominica. Four for in the first innings and then Michael Clark took a five for in the second and Australia won that test inside four days. So there's some, as I say, I think for Michael there, some some early thoughts. If they're right, happy to go deeper, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. If they're not, we will revisit it in the usual way. And that revisit show, by the way, Jeff, won't be this week because I'm not with you on the show yep. for story time. I, I need to just – I'm commentating for the next seven days in a row, so I've just got to do that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and hopefully my voice gets through. It's struggling at the moment. And then we can do the big revisit special. When the England season's mm. finished and I can just concentrate on that, we'll do a revisit special and then I'll come and join you in Australia and then we'll – I'll do as we always do. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, we'll start a new season at that point. Uh, wasn't Shiv Chanderpaul's 100 against Australia off 69 balls as well? I remember ah, when he made that. Ah, yes. I think it was. Yes, Shiv Chanderpaul is 469. Yeah. That is, that is, um, that is, that is, that is true. Well, so, the last time he came up is when we were talking about his son, wasn't it? Who in that film about India's 1983 World Cup win, Shiv plays, Shiv's son, sorry, plays one of the Does he play like Larry Gomes or something like that? Remember Barat told you about it on Storytime, basically. Right. Um, Um, And they also share the feat of batting together in a first-class match, which I think was the first time in a long time that a father and son had batted together in the same game. So a lot of... Darren Darren Stevens might have grandchildren batting with him by the time he's done. A lot of shiv work on the 69. So, Michael Fallon, uh, <laughs> drop us drop us a, a, a message on the old chat page on the Discord and let us know uh, something to get us closer. If you want to send in a nerd pledge, very easy to do. Go to patreon.com slash thefinalword. You'll find us there. You can sign up. You can set your amount. You can decide what it is, how often it goes, all of the rest of it. It's all in your hands and you can help us keep making this ridiculous, stupid show and all of the other shows that we make as well on the final word and we'll be back with more shows later in the week not only story time but two more dailies with daniel and me from england india women and then from there once we have a bit of space we've got a couple of big long form interviews coming out uh, in the weeks between the england season finishing and the world cup starting and then the daily shows will go from there and we'll be very busy boys all the way through october november december january february march so on so Mm -hmm. forth because we can't stop we won't stop this has been the final word great to have jeff back with us on the program and we'll do it all again soon bye from us i had to 